Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Man of Screen Podcast. My name is Mike Zumo, and on this episode, we are going to take a look at chapters 10, 11, and 12 of Superman the Serial, starting Kirk Allen. And now, basically, with kind of midway through chapter 7, let's say the end of chapter 7, we crossed over into the second half of the serial. So now we are winding toward the uh, conclusion. This episode, my coverage of this serial will end with next week's episode when I cover episodes, or chapters rather, 13, 14, and 15. We're going to see that things are starting to kind of wind toward conclusion. The stakes are getting raised as the spider lady has captured Dr. Graham and wants him to create a duplicate of his reducer ray machine. Dr. Hackett is was getting the photos that he needs to create a duplicate of the machine himself, and that will up the ante if uh, the spider lady can accomplish her goals. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, as I have no further preamble, I'm going to take a quick break, play a promo, and then we'll jump into our coverage as soon as I come back. Hang around. Justice League International Blah Ha Ha Podcast a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue, in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort! And many, many more. Justice League International. Blahaha Podcast. Coming March 2016 as part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? All right, welcome back, folks. I'm going to go right into the synopsis for the next chapter. All of these synopses are brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. Chapter 10, Between Two Fires. Impersonating Dr. Graham, inventor of the reducer ray, Hackett and an aide study the machine, planning to make a duplicate. Lois Lane discovers the deception, but is caught. Now, Hackett plans to destroy both the machine and Lois. Superman arrives in time to save the Ray Machine and Lois. Jimmy spots Hackett and his assistant and follows them. Jimmy is captured in a building where Graham is now being forced to recreate his Ray device. While Hackett leaves... Before I explain it more fully, are you quite sure that you feel alright? Oh, sure. I'd like to hear more about this. Well, uh, this is a diathermic machine. A witch? It's an instrument that generates high-frequency oscillations. Now, by stepping up the power with the transformer, I can send messages with it. Oh, you mean like radio? Yes, ultra-shortwave impulses in Morse code. Graham tells Jimmy he'll use the machine to secretly signal for help. Graham's signaling causes static on the city's phones. Clark and Lois are sent to investigate the cause of the static. Some interference. I never ran up against it before. Listen. Sounds like the static I get on my radio. It's more than that. Oh, it's a message in code. Jimmy, Olson. 
help. Graham. You sure got good ears. Uh, thanks. Lois is sent off to locate the source of the signal, while Clark stays with two phone employees. The crooks spot Graham's signals and leave after rigging the building. Smart guy, huh? Standing on a call for help. Well, I'll fix that and you too. Why turn it on again? I want their friends to find this place after we're gone. I get it. I'll fix a warm reception for them. Now, we're leaving here right now. No more funny ideas. Get your hat and coat. I said get your hat and coat. Jimmy escapes in their moving car while Lois enters the building, which erupts in flames. Alright, so, as far as this chapter goes, what we're going to see, the opening of this chapter is a recut version of the ending of last chapter, which shows Superman arriving to save Lois by shielding her with his cape from the explosion. She's still in the room when the explosion goes off, but Superman's indestructible cape has saved her from any harm that might come to her by the destruction of the ray device. So we see, despite the explosion, we see Superman saves the machine by turning something off on it, and he carries an unconscious Lois extremely far on foot to the Daily Planet car so that he can become Clark and bring her back to the office. One of the reasons that Superman doesn't fly as much as we might think he should is because the producers are doing everything they can to save money, so it's cheaper to have Superman run than it is to fly Lois, rather, to the vehicle. Well, either way, it also gives him an opportunity to become Clark Kent. Now we return to our expositional scene in Perry White's office where the staff runs down what's happened and we and launch into what's going to happen next. Hackett and the other man tried to wreck the reducer ray before they left, but Superman got there in time, or so Clark tells me. When I came to, I was in the car with Clark. How did you get there so fast? I really made time. Now you certainly left here fast enough. Uh, have you any idea where Graham is? The fact that Hackett was impersonating him suggests the spider lady, doesn't it? The same familiar problem, finding her. I've sent Jimmy out to university to follow up on it. Now you two get busy on your stories. Clark makes this obvious observation that finding the spider lady is the same familiar problem. Yeah, Clark, if they found the spider lady already, you wouldn't have the rest of the serial to go. Well, not much to that scene. And then we move on to today's episode of Advancing the Story by Way of Coincidence. Hackett and Conrad happen to stop for gas at the same gas station Jimmy is at. Jimmy recognizes them and drains the air out of their tire relatively quickly, forcing the gas station attendant to have to change the tire. And at this point, I've noticed Hackett has removed his makeup. I would assume they wanted to get to the Spider Lady as quickly as possible. When exactly did Dr. Hackett have time to remove his makeup? I'm sure this is our... Maybe he was actually underneath the grand makeup. So it's probably easier for this chapter just to not have him in it at all. And another coincidence here, Jimmy seems to have a flat tube because... Once he's done pumping gas for Conrad and Hackett, he sends the attendant over there and he finishes changing, I guess that's his own tire or someone else's tire, I don't know. Now it's Conrad's turn to make the expositional phone call, phoning into the spider lady, uh, what happened in the laboratory. The lame girl got suspicious and we had to clear out. Did you get the shots on the reducer ray? Yeah. Hackett says he got enough to make another machine just like it. Did you get Graham there all right? Yes, the spider lady sent him to the laboratory. You better go over there and help guard him. Send Hackett over here. Right. Everybody kind of goes off on their own. Uh, Jimmy follow, follows Hackett into a den of criminals by himself, which is probably not the brightest idea he's had all day. Apparently, Jimmy is not very good at following people because 
Conrad and Hackett were waiting to him. And uh, Hackett makes a quip about how Jimmy seems to get around as, as a few minutes ago he was pumping gas. Apparently, Conrad and Hackett were not fooled by Jimmy trying to disguise him, his face under the hat. So they knew he was, they were following him. Two quick punches to the face. Jimmy's out cold. I'm sure there's going to be a chapter coming up somewhere where Jimmy gets his jaw stone back on. Because he should have a shattered jaw by now. Maybe it happens between the two serials. Here we see Dr. Graham being held prisoner. He's working on the same tube while wearing the same outfit. While sitting in the same laboratory. As in that photo the spider lady gave Hackett for reference in the previous chapter. Apparently her, her man in Washington is not only a photographer but a time traveler as well. As he is clearly from a day in the future. I don't actually know how much time is passing. It's hard to keep track of that over the course of this serial. Oh, now back at the Spider Lady's headquarters. For all his bluster, the Spider Lady always seems to be a step ahead of Dr. Hackett as she is doing what she can to kind of keep him under thumb because she knows he has ambitions that don't necessarily involve her. Before I left the vault... I fixed things to wreck the reducer ray and get rid of that lame girl. Too bad you didn't succeed. What do you mean? Superman arrived at the university in time to save both Lois Lane and the ray machine, according to the news flash. Well, at least I have sketches and photographs to duplicate it, with the parts that Dr. Graham will build for us. I doubt if we'll get much cooperation from Graham. He's proving to be unusually stubborn. I'm sure that you can find a way to make him cooperate. Jimmy has been thrown with Graham, and Graham is telling Jimmy how he plans to escape, or at least ascend for rescue, by sending a message over the phone lines through Morse code. Jimmy doesn't get it, but he doesn't need to, because he's Jimmy and he's not a scientist. So, back at the planet, Jimmy hasn't called in. Understandably, Perry is worried. He's either worried that something has happened to his employee, or he is worried that something won't get done today. We don't exactly know what Perry's worried about, but he sends Clark after him. And back at the warehouse, I love Dr. Graham. He has such attitude with Conrad. He is not scared of them, of them at all. If he is, he's not showing it. I was ordered to make a duplicate of my reducer ray machine, was I not? Yeah, that's right, but... Uh... Then how can I do it if my time is to be occupied by answering stupid questions? But... His mouth did cost him his assistant, even though uh, Graham had previously asked for Jimmy to stay so he could help out. But I guess Conrad has revoked Graham's right to uh, assistant uh, privileges. As we mentioned, uh, Graham was uh, sending his cry for help over the phone lines, and the phone company is experiencing some outages throughout the city. And, of course, what they do is they call Perry White at the Daily Planet. Again, I work for a newspaper. I've mentioned this several times over the course of my episode, and I'm sure I will continue to mention this as I kind of analyze some of the scenes at the newspaper offices. The phone company never calls when there's an outage. We normally have to call them to get the information, and even then, they're not extremely forthcoming. I will say this, though. It is a good thing that the Planet's phones still work. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the device necessary to move the plot forward. Now, Lois and Clark go over to the uh, one of the sites. They see this guy working on what looks like a manhole cover. Lois doesn't hear anything. It's the nothing more than the static that she gets on her radio at home. I didn't even know Lois had a home. I figured she just lived at the planet. We never actually see anybody's 
lives, really. We don't need to for the story to go. We just need time to pass. Lois doesn't hear anything, so we do the next logical thing, and we hand the device over to Clark, who deciphers it. He listens, and he hears Dr. Graham's Morse code and the uh, as a call for help. Now, he uh, wouldn't have super hearing by any chance, would he? Again, this is another show of Clark being able to hear things that other people can't in front of other people. Now, at some point, someone is going to catch on to that and think, maybe Clark has super hearing. Even the uh, phone technician here, who's just met him, has commented on how good Clark's ears are, to which he simply says thanks. So, anyway, we move on to uh, Junction and some other uh, phone technicians. These guys were able to hear the code. They are working on tracking it to the source. Clark wanted to go, but that way it would have been easier for him to become Superman at the proper time when he got where he was going. But Lois doesn't let him off that easy and insists that she goes. And that leaves Clark with the two phone technicians giving her directions to follow the signal. While Lois is driving, she is holding this gigantic walkie-talkie. like a big phone. And it's a good thing that in 1948, she was not subject to today's cell phone and driving laws. Nowadays, if you're caught talking on something that big, or even something smaller, there's a good chance those state troopers are pulling you over, or somebody else. Graham gets caught eventually, not because of anything special, but because of Conrad's clumsiness, as the cards drop to the floor and his arm knocks the phone off the table, and that's how he hears the code. So, Conrad figures they're tracing everything back to them, so it's time to go. So they take Jimmy and Graham, and they're about to leave. But at least it's good to know that Conrad is concerned for Graham's well-being here. He makes sure that he gets his, that Graham gets his hat and coat. He doesn't, I mean, why not? That's being a good guy. He doesn't want him to catch a cold. You know, I tell my daughter that all the time. And I have just as much trouble getting her to get her hat and coat as Conrad does with Graham. Prisoners and children. Two examples of people who do not listen, especially when you're doing what's good for them. We get more of Lois driving while talking on the phone. And as, uh... Graham and Jimmy are trying to get away. Jimmy gets uh, manages to get the drop on one of the Spider Ladies' men, and, and he punches somebody else in the face for a change, and dove out of the car. Uh, they don't go back to get him because they fear he broke his neck trying to escape. And it kind of looks like he did, but these people have nine lives. Lois gets to where she's going, and Lois, you forgot your big phone. I mean, I go crazy when I leave my cell phone in the car. I really think she should go back and get it, but she doesn't think about it. She goes into the room where Jimmy and Graham were, and uh, the room catches fire. And I hate when that happens to me when I walk into a dark room. Go into the room and just starts burning down. So, for the next chapter, we're gonna have us uh, some Roast Lois. Alright, so moving on to Chapter 11. Superman's Dilemma. Superman manages to save Lois again. Dr. Graham is forced to agree to finish another reducer ray machine that Hackett has built. But it needs the finishing touch. Mechanical secrets that only you know. You'll never learn them from me. Graham says he'll need a new chemical compound called monochromite. Spider Lady's men find a chemical engineer, Fred Larkin, to supply it. After looking it up and seeing it as a restricted compound, Larkin tells them to come back for it. Calls Perry White for advice. Hello. Who? Fred Larkin. How are you, Fred? What? That's the special material that Graham is using. Just which of the authorities should I notify? I'll send the man down. I'll tell you what to do. Hold everything till he gets there. Perry assigns Clark to see Larkin. 
Kent, I've got a hot assignment for you. Good. Go to 220 Lexington Road. There's a man there who has a tip that may lead to Graham. Get the story, phone it in, follow any leads. Then we'll contact the authorities. All right. But an angry Lois arranges for Clark to end up arrested for driving a stolen car, while she and Jimmy visit Larkin. The crooks pick up from Larkin a crate that Jimmy was hiding in. They punch out Larkin and lock Lois in Larkin's vault. Superman leaves his jail cell to get to Larkin's office, where he saves Lois from suffocating. En route, the crooks spot someone in the crate and shoot at the crate. So, as far as this chapter goes, now that Clark uh, runs off and Superman comes out from behind that same rock that I mentioned in the last week's episode, we've seen him come out from behind that same rock many times before. I can only assume that he takes that rock with him. He must stick it in his pocket or something, put it in place. Or, the more obvious solution is that Columbia is using stock footage. Now, this effect here is kind of hard to look at, no matter what kind of screen you're on. Superman is dragging Lois out. I imagine it's rotoscoped, but the fire is translucent, translucent, almost ghostly. Clearly, we know it's not there, so. Now, Hackett brings Graham back to see the Spider Lady. Why is Hackett bringing Graham back? Hackett is already back at headquarters. Where did Conrad go? Maybe his contract doesn't allow, maybe he's afraid of caves or something. Anyway, now, the Spider Lady apparently is comfortable enough around Dr. Graham to appear without her mask on. Now he can see her eyes. They, now they unveil the duplicate of the reducer ray that Hackett has built. I don't know how long it took Graham to build the re reducer ray, but I'm guessing it took years. Hackett has apparently rebuilt it in what seems like five minutes. Now that's where we kind of stretch the laws of logic. Even if he had a complete schematic, it would take Hackett some time to construct the device. But not here. This thing has been done very quickly, almost too quickly, and, you know, it's mentioned before that Hackett had to go down to the lower cave for supplies. What exactly is the Spider Lady keeping down there? Whatever it is, she seems to have an endless supply of it. Again, to explain that would waste far too much time with this serial, and we gotta keep moving. We're back at the planet for more exposition. In the previous scene, Graham had told her that he absolutely refuses to help her build the get the uh, duplicate of the reducer array operational. And at the end of that scene, before we went back to the planet for more exposition, Driller took him to convince him. Now, it is clear from this next scene that Driller must have beaten the holy high hell out of Dr. Graham. After all, his tie is ruffled. And apparently that's enough that he's willing to give the spider lady a prescription for monochromite, filled by most insurance companies. No, no, I hope not. I don't even know if monochromite is real. Anyway, so now we're off to the chemical engineer, Mr. Larkin. So, the Spider Lady's men go over there, and Larkin, after he's asked for it, he has a note that says, if monochromite is asked for without credentials, to notify the proper authorities. I am sure monochromite is a controlled substance, so contacting the proper authorities seems sensible enough, and I applaud Mr. Larkin for doing so. It appears that I spoke too soon, as who does he call? Perry White. On what planet, daily, weekly, or otherwise, is the newspaper editor the proper authority with regards to a controlled substance? <sighs> you know, this reminds me of something that happened to me at work once. No, no one called me about monochromite, but it would be cool if they did. No. Those, those of you who have been listening know that I'm an editor for two weekly newspapers and their corresponding websites. Anyway, this guy from one of the towns I cover called me about some kind of telephone scam that his wife fell for. I don't remember the details, as it was about a year or so ago. Probably an IRS scam. So anyway, after he went through his spiel, I asked him if he called the authorities. He said he did, and then said, I'm calling you. I was stunned. And he was equally stunned 
when I told him he should call the police about it. Now, kind of the same thing here. He should be calling somebody. Someone must regulate this stuff, even in 1948. Call them, or at the very least call the police, who we haven't really seen much of in this serial. Perry White called uh, chief, the chief of police a few uh, chapters ago, but other than that, we haven't seen much from the boys in blue. And Larkin is a chemical engineer. You know, he should know who to call. So, he calls Perry White, and Perry White is going to send advisors, because he has chemical experts on staff. His name is Clark Kent. Perry is going to send Clark to get the story, and then call the authorities. Shouldn't the authorities be called first? I think Perry's priorities are a little skewed. It is not his job to trap the spider lady. We have police for that. Or, and Superman. Ugh, drives me nuts. So anyway... Lois is tired of Clark getting the assignment, as Clark has gotten the assignment over Lois several times before in this serial, and she can't take it anymore. Don't I work here anymore? Sure, sure. What's the trouble? Why should Clark have that Graham story exclusively? Maybe I could uncover a different angle. Stop selling me. You can go along if you want. Thanks, Chief. I don't really think Perry cares. I think he just sends her, get rid of her, so he can be left alone. And as much as I think Lois should be fired for some of the things she does to Clark, she does have a point, as he does seem to favor Clark and hasn't really called her in for very many assignments over the course of the serial. And then Lois gets, uh, Clark rather, gets an unfortunate phone call from an upset police sergeant about a story. I've had to take more than enough of those phone calls at work. I hate them every time. Especially nowadays, when I'm not the one who wrote the story, I'm usually taking a call because somebody else screwed up. A lot easier to deal with your own mistake. Having to deal with other people's mistakes is not fun at all. So anyway... While Clark is talking to the upset sergeant, Lois takes his hat and flings it away. This is more of the Lois that I don't like that we've originally met in the Fleischer cartoons and in some of the earlier chapters. As she tells Gloria, the receptionist, to report her car stolen. Then, when Clark is done with the sergeant and goes outside, he needs the car. Hey, I need that car! Sorry, use mine. It's in the alley. Yes, the one she had reported stolen. Guess what? Clark winds up in jail for stealing a car. This smells like a setup. Clark, you have worked with Lois for some time now. You should know better. Like I said, he gets pulled over for driving a stolen car. And I guess like the uh, most versions of Superman, Clark does not own a vehicle of his own. Lois and Jimmy end up with uh, Mr. Larkin, the uh, Fred Larkin, the uh, chemical engineer. And this guy is dumber than a box of rocks. How did he get this job? And why are Lois and Jimmy doing uh, doing police work? I mean, there's investigative reporting, and then there's doing things that the police detective bureau should be taking care of. Take it from me. My boss doesn't pay me enough to try to trap criminals. Now, they we're going to set up the criminals. We're not going to give them the monochromite. And Jimmy is going to hide in a big, life-size monochromite box. Now, Lois is worried about Jimmy taking an awful chance. This is swell. When they come, I'll be in this case. Get them to sign a receipt if you can. Right. Jimmy, you're taking an awful chance. Why can't you and I follow them in the car? Because we'd have to keep too far back to prevent them from noticing us. And they might give us a slip. But once I'm in this case on their truck, I can watch just what route they take. And they still haven't told Larkin which authorities to call. We are just going to stick with Jimmy's plan of hiding in a box. So, now it's... Two hours later, and Conrad and his goon... I actually don't know what this guy's name is. I, I know the names of most of them, but it's not this guy. And by now, I've noticed that Brock has disappeared for a while. I don't know, maybe 
Terry Frost, the actor who plays and had to go do something else. But Conrad seems to have taken his place for for a while. We'll see Brock again later, but not too much, not too soon. Anyway, Larkin is decked after he asks Conrad to sign a receipt. And you know what? I think I'm going to do that the next time someone asks me to sign for something. I'm just going to punch them out and see what happens. I'll probably end up in jail, but we'll see. Lois doesn't think everything through. Before she went to hide, she decided, well, I don't think she decided. She she forgot to take her purse with her and foolishly left it on the desk. And now they throw her in the vault. Conrad and the goon, I'll just call him the goon for lack of a better term, have to move this crate. It looks pretty heavy, especially as we know, Jimmy's in it. So I hope they didn't have to haul that down any stairs. Hopefully there's an elevator. Clark is in jail, still trying to get out. He is pleading his case to this guy who, you know, doesn't want to hear it. And quite frankly, it's not his job to decide to let people out of jail. That's up to the judge. And he's doing his job. And for a minute, he thought about letting Clark out. I don't know why, but he decided against it to do his job. Unable to leave, legally at least, Clark is going to change the Superman, stuff the sheet so it looks like he's sleeping, and elbows the bars to bend them. They uh, sped up the film here, so it looks as though he did it fast. It was a nice shot, and they do a nice job, like I said repeatedly before, they do do a nice job with super speed by simply speeding up the film. Superman saves Lois from the vault in Larkin's office, and she sends him after Jimmy, who is in the box, who got out of the box for a minute, and uh, just to kind of look, he's trying to look to see what route the Spider Lady's men are taking so that they can track themselves to her headquarters. Sure enough, they hit a bad bump, and we see Jimmy getting back in the case. We see two hands closing it. Now, the cutting of this scene makes it look as though it's Jimmy in the case. There were two guys in the truck. The passenger get, goes to get the truck driver, and they both shoot at the case. According to what we're think, led to believe, it's going to take care of Jimmy. That wraps up Chapter 11. I am going to take a quick break, play another promo, and then I'm going to come back with Chapter 12, Blast in the Depths. Okay, doing the new promo, do not say take the dare. Do not say take the dare. Okay, go. Hello, darling. Nice to see ya. It's me, J. David Weeder, the Conway Twitty of podcasting. But please, call me Dave. I host a show called Dave's Daredevil Podcast, where I talk about Marvel's Man Without Fear and Netflix superstar Daredevil. But I'm here to tell you that things have changed. Don't worry, I've still got more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at and a desperado love for Daredevil. And episodes of the show still come out each and every Sunday. But now, Dave's Daredevil Podcast is part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. That's right, the show can now be found at twotruefreaks.com, home of Earth's mightiest podcasts. And if you haven't tried the show before, I see the want to in your eyes. So take the time to check out Dave's Daredevil Podcast, because sometimes you need a podcaster with a slow hand. Dave's Daredevil Podcast, every Sunday at twotruefreaks.com. Dot com. Take the dare. I have no self-control. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to head right into Chapter 12, Blast in the Depths. Luckily, Superman had earlier found the truck and replaced Jimmy. Superman leaves Jimmy with the crooks trussed up and returns to the jail, where Clark is released. Hackett decides to try another engineer. Men are sent to try mining engineer Fred Collier to get or to make monochromite. But Collier resists and is shot. Perry has Lois check Collier's office, where she finds a mining map. The crooks return and kidnap her. Clark and Jimmy arrive too late, but Clark spots a mark Lois left, question mark, and a cross. Wait a minute. 
This was scratched deliberately. What is it? A question mark and a cross. What does it mean? I don't know. But obviously, it was meant to convey a message to whoever might be here. Question mark. Interrogation mark. Cross. Cross. What have you got there? A mining engineer's guide. It may help me find a clue. Here's something. A list of mines and mining locations. I've got it. Got what? A location of a mine at Question Crossing. <laughs> Never heard of it. Neither have I. But those scratches mean something. Lois was trapped here. She left that clue. How do we know they took her there? That's what we've got to find out. Yeah, but how are we got? Hey! At the mine, while the crooks carry out the ore, Clark is captured and left handcuffed to Lois. The crooks rig an explosion in the mine, and outside, punch out Jimmy. The ending to the previous chapter is recut quite a bit. After the bump in the road and the truck stopping, Superman gets Jimmy out of the case and sends him to the back of the truck so he's not seen. As it turns out, those two hands that we saw close the case were not Jimmy's, but Superman's. And actually, this sequence is quite different. In the previous chapter, the passenger in the truck went to the driver when he saw the two hands closing the door to the box. But this time, he sees Superman close the box, he takes the shots, then the driver comes out of the truck, and they both shoot at the box. Apparently, we just imagined the ending of the last chapter when both men shot at the box. To be fair, when they were first released, each chapter was meant to be separated by a week. So, most first-run viewers are watch were watching, or all first-run viewers, really, were watching this a week after the previous chapter, so they probably didn't notice the difference because it had been so long. And I'm sure the producers don't care that I'm picking on this now. After 68 years, they're probably happy somebody is still talking about this serial. Prior to this, all of the changes had been recuts to the scene. This is the first time where something different actually happened. So Superman takes care of those two criminals with a diving tackle. Superman seems to like this I-don't-know-my-own-strength line. He uses it quite a bit. Where were you heading for? Talk fast. Speak up. Sometimes I don't know my own strength. We wasn't going anyplace. A car was going to meet us up the road and tell us where. You working for the spider lady? I don't know. We never saw her. A guy named Antum hired us to do this job. Oh, trust me, he knows how strong he is when he's about to choke these guys out or bang their heads together. Now it's Jimmy's turn to follow Superman's movements with his head as he ties up the criminals. I can't stress enough that super speed in this serial is one of the few visual effects that's done well. Now, now after that, we get a funny shot of uh, Jimmy acting all strong and macho, but he can't lift either one of these guys off the ground. And the music goes from its serious tone to a little more more comedic beeps to uh, really make us feel comedic. Now, I, didn't I haven't talked much about the music in this serial, and you hear the theme music to the serial at the beginning of the show, so you can make your own judgments as to whether or not you like that. It's alright. I have no problem with it. Well, you know, it doesn't... It doesn't stand out like other themes of Superman do. You know, obviously there are certain distinct Superman themes that we've heard over the years. The Fleischer theme is very distinct. The Adventures of Superman TV series is very distinct. Obviously, the John Williams score is legendary. Even the animated series, 
from the 90s is very distinct. Man of Steel, not so much. But this is kind of like the Man of Steel theme. It's good, it fits the show, but it's nothing special. Nobody's going to sit at home and listen to this soundtrack. Superman goes back to jail. And, hey, you guard, no smoke in our premises. He's smoking. And when he's done with his cigarette, he puts his cigarette out on the jail floor. Come on, have you no manners? Well, apparently, the jail guard has decided to forego the judge and just call Perry White. All right, you can clear out now. It's about time. I phoned the Daily Planet. Perry White said you was okay. Well, I told you that when I came in. I know you did, but I didn't have to believe you. The judge must still be out to lunch or something. So, Perry said he was okay, and Clark is out of jail. And we're quickly moving on to the next to the next scene as the Spider Lady is getting annoyed with her henchmen as she has been left with failure at every turn. Now they couldn't get the monochromite. Has anybody got any more brilliant ideas? What have you done with Dr. Graham? Nothing. He worked all night under guard and he's sleeping. It is nice of her to let Dr. Graham catch a few hours sleep. I thought that was mighty nice of her. They don't want the doctor to get too burned out. And I guess she's figuring that if uh, he's overtired, he won't work too well. Well, speak up. What do we do now? Well, we got to get the monochromite somewhere. Exactly, but how? Every plant making and processing it will be alerted and watched by the authorities. But we must have it. If we could locate some of the basic ore containing monochromite, we might be able to process it here. Now we are going after another mining engineer. This guy's name is Fred Collier. Apparently, in this serial, in order to get a job as a mining engineer or a chemical engineer, your name has to be Fred. So, Fire Ladies and Pen go in to see Collier and uh, say they want to see the, the monochrome. They want to buy some monochromite. Andrews is my name. Glad to know you. I'd like to buy some monochromite. So would a lot of people. Really? A lot of people want to buy monochromite? I don't know. Aside from that leap in logic. Collier shows a little bit more backbone than uh, Mr. Larkin does. It's hard to get. Uh, who sent you to me? No one. I just heard you had some. Even if I had, and I'm not admitting it, I, I couldn't sell you any. Why not? Because it's on the restricted list. I know. That just makes it cost a little more, doesn't it? I don't do business that way. You do business. I want that stuff, and I'm going to get it. Collier gets right up in, uh, in Anton's face, refuses, actually pulls a gun on him, and winds up dead. Now, Perry must have gotten a news flash from the police. Finally, a news tip that came in in the proper way. And Lois is going to cover the story properly. Well, maybe not completely proper properly, as she goes to Collier's office and picks the lock and uh, gets in that way. And I'm amazed at how quickly the scene in Collier's office is cleaned up. I would have thought when he sent... Maybe I'm just used to the way things are nowadays, but I would have thought that when Perry sent Lois to cover the shooting, that there'd be police detectives and some other reporters kind of hanging around. Anyway, as far as the picking the lock goes, I'm going to have to check the uh, journalist ethics guide. I don't think you're allowed to do that. I think the law has something to say about that, too. I was wrong. Here's, uh, here's Brock. He decided to come back for a few minutes, and... Lois, who was looking through a map, found a monochromite mine, and since Lois couldn't leave on time, she decides to hide out the window. Meanwhile, at, at the planet, Perry is sending Clark and Jimmy at the Lois because she hasn't called in and nobody knows where she is. Well, they know she's at Collier's, but they're trying to figure out exactly why they haven't heard from her yet. So, 
Lois cannot help herself, but she's constantly leaving clues lying around. Brock finds a Daily Planet matchbook. Anton doesn't think anything of it, as he figured that there were reporters around, but Brock finds Lois on the ledge, and while they're figuring out what to do with her, she scratches a clue into the glass. Very sensible, but she then, but the next thing she does isn't so sensible. She tries to get away, gets slammed on the desk, probably getting a concussion, and is rolled up in a rug. Bottom line, another bad day for Lois. So, just as the crooks leave, Clark and Jimmy show up. And apparently, uh, while they were carrying Lois out in the rug, Anton and Brock took the time to close the door. So, Clark and Jimmy, even though they put her around the window area, nearly missed Lois's message. But fortunately, Clark turned around and looked before they left. I don't know how Jimmy missed this when he looked at the window. He looked directly at it. So, eventually, Clark figures out Lois's message and it sends them to Question Crossing, as there's a monochromite mine there. Clark is apparently overexcited about his discovery, and he nearly leaves without Jimmy. Probably trying to get away from Jimmy, turn into Superman, but Jimmy doesn't allow it. He chases him. Clark and Jimmy arrive at the mine. Anton and Brock have found what they're looking for, and it's all very properly bagged up for them, so maybe they called a hit or something, I don't know. Clark wasn't paying attention, and just as he was about to change into Superman, he gets jumped from behind, and he faked it, to obviously, to protect his secret identity. And that's how Lois and Clark get trapped, handcuffed together as Anton rigs an explosion. Jimmy is caught too, and he gets punched out again, and I think that's four or five times by now. I've I've lost track. Jimmy seems to spend a great deal of his time getting punched in the face. So, for next time, we are going to wrap up our coverage of Superman the Serial with chapters 13, 14, and 15. So, till then, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at manofscreen at gmail.com. Tell me how good a job or how lousy a job I'm doing. I'll leave that judgment up to you. You can like the show on Facebook by searching for the Man of Screen podcast, or you can write me a review on iTunes. That'll help other people find the show and let it get some exposure. So, until next time. How can Jimmy hope to stop these men? Does the Spider Lady plan to take over the Daily Planet? For the answers, check out Episode 9 of the Man of Screen podcast on this web feed next week. Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions on the show are those of Mike Zumo and no one else. All music and sound clips used in the making of the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All trademarks are copyright their original copyright holders. The Man of Screen Podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network and can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. The homepage for the show is manofscreen.podomatic.com. And you can email the show at manofscreen at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.